I do not over-intellectualize the production process. I try to keep it simple. Tell the damned story. Tom Clancy. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hole. And I'm Lee Esses. And we get to talk about um, fun things today. (laughs) (laughs) We are talking about metadata, which is the invisible part of the production process that no one will ever congratulate you for. But it is so important to do to actually get your book out into the world. Yes. So when you are submitting your book online, they will ask you for a series of bits of information about your book. And that is the metadata. So that includes your title, which if you didn't get a chance to listen to our marketing podcast, we did talk a little bit about your title and how that plays into marketing. They will ask for your title. They'll ask for your series and a subtitle. If you are writing a nonfiction book, then subtitle comes into play, not so much in fiction. They will ask for your author name, the completion date. So that is the time when the editor gives the stamp of approval. We've talked about a lot of different moments in the process when you feel like you should be done, but you're not yet. Completion date is often coinciding with and mixed up with your publication date. Those aren't the same thing, but they should be within probably a couple months of each other. Uh, Sometimes they'll just ask for a year. So the completion date is basically that point in time where you no longer are going to be making any changes. Yes, And if you feel like you still have changes to make, then it's not ready to be published yet. And so rewind to the beginning of the month and go through those processes first. If you're submitting it on Amazon and you want to get that proof copy back to you, I would put the completion date as the day that you're sending it in. Mm -hmm. If you don't have a different date, because once you send it off to them and you're getting that proof copy, that's the final point in time but your book won't be published yet because you still get that chance to look through and make sure that how it ends up on their end is how you needed it to be. Yeah, so everything looks happy on your end. Another thing they're going to ask for is price. And yes, we get that local bookshops will give discounts for local artisans. We get that when you have a book signing, you're going to have it 20% off, whatever. This is a standard retail price. So when a company out in the rest of the world scans your ISBN, it'll go, oh, this book is $9.99. ISBN, I just mentioned, is your international... International standard book number. There you go. And that is for identifying your book compared to every other book on the planet. It's like a social security number for your book. That will also generate your barcode. So if you're getting your ISBN, Bowker is the place to go to. A lot of people will resell them. If you're going to sell just on Amazon, they'll actually give you one of theirs. But we recommend getting it out to as many markets as possible. You cannot sell a hard copy in your hometown at the local bookshop if you use one of their ISBN. So it's best to go get your ISBN. Yes. And if you publish and get the metadata phase done through Aspen House, that's included in the ISBN, the copyright, the formatting, the prints, all of that. Copywriting is a little different. Copywriting is the words themselves. That goes through the Library of Congress. And so if you go to the Library of Congress website, they'll talk you straight through step by step exactly what you need to do to copyright your book. That should happen during this phase, just before release. 
after you have gone through your audiobook, if you are doing that prior to release, which we talked about audiobooks last episode, they will also ask for your word count. So your target word count, we discussed in our genre episode, but your exact word count of your final book so that people, when purchasing the book, they can know approximately how long it'll be. And if it's a short story, a lot of ebooks are sold outside of word count. And so they want to know. This is also when you will be submitting your cover mm-hmm. and you have to have it designed by then. We, we talked about a little bit of the design principles a couple episodes ago. So if you want to know more about actually designing it, check out that one. My book, Black and White, it's not a terribly unique or original title. There will be a lot of books titled Black and White, but only one titled Black and White with my particular cover. Yes, this is one of those things that you need to have out there to make your book more unique to stand out among the crowd. One of the other things that they'll be asking for is the blurb. This is, again, for when you are publishing an ebook. It's similar to what ends up on the back of a book if you're doing a printed book. So you have to kind of keep the same principles in mind. What are those principles? Make sure you fit the reader's expectations. Do not put spoilers in there. About 250 words is standard for an ebook. Uh, you can go up to 500 for a back of book. Using short paragraphs is really important because people are going to read short paragraphs much more quickly. What is the difference between a blurb and a synopsis? A synopsis will spoil it for you. So the synopsis ends up being a little bit more like your elevator pitch in that, and then he woke up and it was all a dream. So if I were to do a synopsis for Romeo and Juliet, I would say two teenagers meet at a party. They have a little fling. They're overdramatic about it. Their families hate each other. They end up accidentally killing each other, thinking the other one is dead. And it's a tragedy. Yay. You know, so I basically summarized the entire book mm-hmm. with the synopsis. On the other hand, if you're writing a blurb for the back of the book about Romeo and Juliet, two families hate each other, but their children have fallen in love. Will they survive? You're asking that question. How will their love stand the test of time? The blurb for Romeo and Juliet was the very beginning of the whole thing. Two households, both alike in dignity, in fair Verona where we lay our scene, from ancient grudge break to new mutiny. You know, that's basically the blurb of the story to get you interested in what's going on. The whole star-crossed lovers. (sighs) So one of the questions I encounter a lot online is, how do I write my blurb? And it turns out that's way more difficult than it should be. Often I make my editor write the back of the book. She's already read the book. She knows what it's about. I'm going to want to tell the story, which I've already done inside the book. So I make my editor do that. Sorry. You're welcome. Thank you. But there is an actual standard recipe for blurbs that makes them successful. The first thing you want to include is the situation. You briefly, very briefly describe the circumstances of the story. So again, going back to Romeo and Juliet, you have the two households, both alike in dignity. Then he included, okay, they have a huge grudge that leads to murder. And the second element in a blurb is the problem, introducing the problem. The two people have fallen in love, but they can't. Yeah, their parents will not allow them to continue a relationship. The next element of a successful blurb offers a hopeful possibility. The friar comes in and says, okay, if we get you guys out of Fair Verona, then there's a chance. We can make sure you guys fall in love and live happily ever after. 
that hopeful possibility of will they, won't they is an essential tool in creating an engaging blurb. And then you want to include the mood. So this is the part that describes the emotional state that the readers will have while reading your story. Is it a tragedy? Is it a comedy? Is it, you know, dark and dystopian? Or is it a funny, happy romance, rom-com kind of thing? Or is it suspenseful and just full of magic? That's the kind of stuff that you need to be trickling in with your blurb so that they understand the general feel of your whole story. So if you were Stephen King and Stephen King weren't popular and the back of your book made it look like it was a romance or a kid's story, they're going to be in for a surprise. Pet Cemetery. Oh, that sounds sweet. It's about pets and kids and their relationship with pets. Right? And how they come back to murder you. Yay. Having a blurb that fits the mood of your book is vital because you want to make sure that the readers of your book are people who are going to like it, therefore people in your target audience. So if you're writing action suspense, make it quick, short sentences, moving forward. If it's a fantasy novel, have it be mysterious and wondrous and full of questions that make the reader want to know what that world is all about. A note about introducing characters, try to avoid introducing more than the main character and the villain in the blurb. You only have 250 words, so make them count. Part of that is also not overwhelming your readers with too much information with just the blurb. If I'm reading a blurb and I just read a bunch of stuff, I'll be like, okay, this book is too complicated. Setting that one aside. Sometimes on the back of a book, you'll also see a little bit about the series or a little bit about the author. We talked a little bit about author bios when we were talking about cover design. So some of the other things you're going to have on the back of the book would be not only this story, but a little bit about the series. Jack Reacher continues to wander across the U.S. saving people when he can, killing people when he needs to. And if it's a nonfiction, having a little bit about you as an author and what gives you credit and gives your opinion credit is also useful. So to sum up, create your checklist of the information you need for the metadata. You need the title, the series, the author name, completion date, price, ISBN, word count, the cover, and the blurb. And as you're considering all the stuff we just threw at you, remember one thing. Write selfishly. If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing.